are listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. On this episode of Chugga Talk, you'll meet the U.S. Polo Cross team from last year's Athena 2019 World Cup. We discuss the sacrifices it took to prepare and the lessons learned along the way. We compare and contrast past World Cups and look into the future for their prospects for the 2023 World Cup and more. Here on Chugga Talk, the goal is to shrink the Polo Cross world by connecting people together and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. We have the U.S. World Cup team here a year later, so I'm very excited to do this podcast interview. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Yep. But I want everyone to go around and just say your name, where you live, how how long you've been playing polo cross, and how many World Cups. Well, my name is Kat. I'm from North Carolina. I've been playing for 12 or 13 years. And this was my first World Cup a year ago. Cool. Uh, Rob Shuttles, Texas. I've been playing for 32 years, and I've been to every World Cup played in four of them. I live in North Carolina with Raul, and I've been playing about 20 years or so. And that's my first World Cup. Uh, Raul Desai, North Carolina as well. Uh, playing, I don't know. 16, 17 years, something, somewhere along there. And uh, first cup as well. I'm Megan, I left the uh, I'm for 10 years, and this is my second World Cup. Braxton Hamlin, I'm from Tennessee, and I've been playing for about 11 years, and I've competed in two World Cups. We need to do a Mother's Day. Cheers to Sarah and their new baby boy, Kieran, officially on the podcast. We're doing a cheers for that. Congratulations. I lost Braxton. Oh. <laughs> easy, Braxton. Easy, easy. Yeah. So it's taking water today. <laughs> All right. More Let's get into it. So, yeah, I am. This is a really cool thing uh, to be able to interview everyone. I've been on uh, several World Cup teams with, with Robbie. After I took a break, several of you have kind of come on the scene. Young Bucks, we've got Kat, we've got Braxton, we've got Megan. Um, I was in a club with Kat. Sarah and Raul. I played my first A-grade game with Robbie, so uh, I'm very honored to be with everyone, and this is a really cool thing to be able to do. And the goal of this is just to find out, you know, get some insight about the World Cup, what it took to prepare, kind of what are the things that you're super proud about, just things like that. So was there a theme song for this team? Because back in 2011, it was all we do was win, 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 no matter what. No? Old Town Road, dude. Old Town Road, because Chris loved it so much. Yeah. Our mask- All right, so that that was your theme song. <laughs> Mascot. Yeah, Christian. I think Rob loved it more than. I don't think we really had a choice. I think Rob was going to play it whether we wanted it or not. I didn't start it. I don't think. <laughs> All right, it just happened. Megan, Raul also loved it. it. Uh, I love that song. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh. All right, anyone just chime in. What was your proudest moment when you were at the World Cup? I mean, what uh, think of something that you an accomplishment at the World Cup, a game, a moment. Was there a mm. game that you thought the most you were the most proud of that you had close game? <laughs> I think I was most proud of the ladies in general in the Zambia game. Yeah, our first game. Our first game, we came out, played well. Megan had an incredible game. 
Um, and we we did really well in that game. We we only lost to the Zambian women by a goal. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing that one or the first check of the UK game because we came out like really swinging on that one. So that yeah, so you had uh, a couple of big moments there. Where was the moment where you felt the most defeated? Because uh, I'll I'll give you my experience. In 2007, Robbie and I almost lost to Canada. Um, that was a tough one. Uh, 2011, the Aussies beat us in the in the third place game, and uh, they just kicked our butts and i just wanted to cry after that game was there a moment that you felt really defeated or you just was your toughest moment i feel like after the or yeah after the first game against zambia because the girls worked so hard and i felt like our boys side just let them down all right yeah, i, I felt that. that was the uk game because like our first checker was really good and then our second checker like i lost every ball out the back and that just got like beat repeatedly in the area so that was pretty uh pretty humbling okay Although, Kat, you should say your proudest moment was when Raul fell off and you did not fall off. That's true. I didn't take a single flip this entire World Cup and Raul fell off the first game. Blame Braxton for giving me a not accurate pass. No, I'm just joking. You were carrying the ball. the ball. That's not on. It was all me. I should have stuck the whatever you call it. Kat, Sarah, and Raul, um, how did you guys feel the night before the first game? I mean, there had to be some nerves. It was your first World Cup. I mean, how did you? Yeah, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep at all. I think I just kind of, like, vibrated <laughs> all night. Yeah. I think it was especially hard for me because I didn't play the first chukka. And I, I hate that. I don't like to sit off the crowd. I'd rather just go on. So the fact that I had to go out, warm up, and then go get off. I'm like, ah. <laughs> hated me. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Raul? Uh, you said the night before? Yeah, I mean, or just, yeah, how did you feel going into your first World Cup? I mean, I felt good. Obviously, it was my, it, my first World Cup that I played in, but my, I guess my second second um, experience with the whole World Cup training and whatnot, because in 11, I was playing in the squad. So, um, you know, just in comparing our preparations from 11 to now, you know, I felt confident and, and uh, excited to be in the first World Cup and obviously nervous as well, but kind of that, you know, good nervous energy, I guess. You know, you try your horses out and you don't know what's going to happen when, until you get out there. So, obviously, that adds a, an element to it. Um, and then, not, obviously, playing Zambia, you know, a very well-respected team and country that presented its own challenge. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Megan and Braxton, how did this compare to your to your first World Cup? Um, obviously, different places, but um, how did they differ? Or, I mean... Going into it, how did you feel compared to the first one? I definitely felt more confident. It showed, for sure. Why did you feel more confident? Uh, well, the first World Cup was my first international experience. I'd never left the country. Okay. So that was pretty intimidating. And then how much how much traveling did you do between? Um, I did. That was in South Africa. And then shortly after that, I spent seven months in Australia. And then I think the next summer, we went back to South Africa. So you... Yeah, so that's a ton of experience. I mean, seven months in Australia. Oh, my gosh. That's like 100 years in the United States. <laughs> I played more and more carnivals uh, in seven months, I think, than I do in three years here. I played 16, 16 yeah. carnivals. And obviously you, Braxton, you've had a lot of experience uh, since 2015. How many different places have you been? I hate to ask. It's going to take a long time. Oh, gosh. Uh, I've been to South Africa several times, and – well, after this last World Cup, I went to Zambia, but we traveled to, where was it? I can't even think off the top of my head. You've been so many places. 
I just I don't think I've been that many places since the two World Cups, but I've been to South Africa. I think about every year I've traveled to compete. Overall, I was more mentally prepared going into this World Cup because I knew what to expect. And James did a really good job preparing us mentally, not just physically. But um, I was uh, yeah I was I would say more prepared going into this World Cup, and more confident as well. So Robbie, how did um how did Jane James differ from all the other coaches? I know that everyone's got their own style. I mean, every team has been different. We've had joy for the first two World Cups, and we went um, – no, it was just – we went to Jane, and then we went to Narelle. And James and Gene, I kind of pair them together. They were incredible. A team. They, um, I mean, Jane was incredible. I thought we were the most prepared this, this World Cup that we've ever been. We were more prepared mentally, physically, toughness, all that stuff. I don't know. I, I think they're all good. It's just they've got different strong points. But this last team, we wore the most prepared and did the most work than any team I've ever been on, which was huge, huge. So speaking of that, when was the team announced? How how far ahead of the World Cup? We announced the team at the um, when we had a test match against South Africa and North Carolina. What was that? The year before, 2018. Yeah, that was May, I think. May 2018. Yeah. So it was about 11 months before the World Cup. The first World Cup, I was calling people to say, would you like to come play at the World Cup? <laughs> and, and this last World Cup, I mean, we had pretty intense tryouts for several weeks before leading up to when the team was announced. So it's come a long way for the USA. I want to get into this and in preparations for World Cup, because I think that just to put things into perspective, the, t- the commitment that it takes, because you're not only committed to, you know, you only not only have your responsibilities at home, you have, I mean, I just remember this about Braxton. I I remember when I dropped off that horse for Zach um, and you were, you were preparing for the 2015 world cup, you and Garrett. And I just remember, I remember you had like six or seven horses going at that point. You guys were just, and yet you had had some international tours prior to, Mm -hmm. uh, but you were just, I mean, the amount of time it must take just to, in those preparations. So does anyone want to kind of speak about that? I mean, all, I mean, how many days of work you may have missed the year prior to, I mean, I've done it, but I want to hear it from you guys. What your, you know, all the preparations that it took, just chime in. And it took a lot of time. I like for Rel and I with the international stuff and we needed to have six horses to put in for that, which is a lot for us to be working 40 hour, you know, plus weeks, plus half the time I was either pregnant or dealing with a newborn or <laughs> something like yeah. that made it a little bit more challenging. Um, so trying to, to, you know, get all the, especially the workouts in every day, you know, James was really big on having us um, physically fit. Um, he had Doug Hamlin design a specific workout program for us. So to make sure you did that, you did your back at work, you did your horses every day. We had to submit every week. We had to submit a, um, a list to James of everything we did every day um, to keep ourselves accountable. Um, and so it was, you know, it was pretty rigorous and, and very time consuming. But like Bob said, I felt like we were very prepared going in. I mean, I was, I felt like I was playing the best, physically the best and physically the best that I had ever been playing. So the the effort and the time definitely paid off, but it was it was definitely very intense, and and we we did have to do a lot of traveling, and we did miss a, a good bit of work, but not not terrible. I think that was was factored in. I think that James and everybody was pretty respectful of people's you know time and travel. And Rob and Steph 
probably had to do more traveling really than we did, I think. Um, so, but I mean, I, like I said, I think it all paid off in the end. How many team weekends did you have? I mean, yeah, how many weekends, including the test match, did you have together? A whole bunch. <laughs> more, than, more than in the past. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that was probably the team was announced and played the South African Bishop Stowe that weekend. Then I think we had a Thanksgiving camp that yeah. year. Thanksgiving camp. Then we played Ireland in the spring. Ireland. Yeah, and we had our like um, girls and guys weekends in Texas. Girls and guys well. weekend in Texas. Yeah. Five or six, probably team. I mean, the, the team tried to play together at tournaments and stuff. Obviously, without James. Yeah you know, present because of the, the international thing, but. Um, and even prior to the announcement of the team, the, the long list and short list groups tried to play together at, at tournaments, um, pretty much starting kind of back when we went to South Africa and pretty much then on that group was more or less trying to play together because we knew that we were, we were the group that was going to be selected. Yeah, it's funny that you asked that. I was thinking about that. I listened to the UK view or whatever the other day, and I'm not sure who it was. I think it was Rob or maybe it might have been Webby or somebody. And they mentioned that, you know, what a commitment it is for them in the UK because I think Penny said, you know, some of you are traveling up to five hours to play in a tournament. And I kind of had to have a laugh and, and think. And I told Sarah, I said, it's, you know, eye-opening to think that other countries are, that's a huge commitment as a five-hour trip. Whereas for us, I mean, our closest closest tournament is five and a half hours yeah i had to get like special permission from the school to take like over amount of hours and then had online classes so i could make all the weekends and travel for three weeks and then like come back for finals and knock those out once i got back dang that's tough middle of the semester yeah exactly well for me for years at work i've never had a day of vacation take all my vacation days to go to Polycost. and that's been for 20 some odd years now it's crazy uh, but this this last time was totally worth it. I mean, this team was young, uh, but there was no attitude. There was no, I mean, everything was awesome with this team. I, I had a blast. So who, who on the team in sort of like the pregame, who, who was it that, that was quiet? Like, was that Carl? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, but who was like, who, who needed? I don't think I heard Carl talk the entire time. I think Carl's <laughs> in this meeting, but he's just hasn't said yeah, <laughs> Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl. <laughs> so, um, is there anyone else like that that you just had to sort of give them their space and or uh, everyone else kind of chatty? We all kind of messed with each other. Everything was cool. Yeah. yeah. We all kind of had talked about like how we liked things to be beforehand when we were working with our sports psychologist. So I think everybody kind of already had an expectation of like who wanted to listen to their music, who wanted to talk, who wanted to do this, that, or the other thing. So we all kind of knew everybody's routines before we went in and you just respected whatever that particular person did. I got made yeah. fun of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you do make it fairly easy. So. A lot. <laughs> so, yeah, give me some funny stories. Come on. Give me some funny stories. I said stories. something, and Jean Hamlin looked at me, and she said, no wonder you get made fun of all the time. None of what you say it makes any sense. And at that point, <laughs> I just had to, like, walk away and be, like, re rethink my entire life. <laughs> that was pretty tragic. <laughs> there was a bathroom that attacked one of our team members, but... <laughs> We got him back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was after the, that was there at the end of the World Cup, right? So uh, let's get into some uh, into that pregame. What was like the few hours leading up? I mean, what was your plan? I really like some insight into how James coached you, kind of how how he prepared you, like for each game. So give me give me your sequence. This this World Cup was different from like South Africa, is that there was a lot more lead up games to our actual game with all the state 
interstate games. And we were all fired up wanting to go watch interstate games. And James was trying to kind of corral us and say, you guys got to go back and you know, we start to get our head in the game and, and focus on, you know, the next two hours. So we'd make a timeline every morning. Actually, Gene wrote up our schedule every day on getting our stuff together. So that was really good. But if it was up to us, we would have been at the game right before, you know, 20 to check up. Yeah. But basically, we would go like we'd have downtime beforehand because James wanted us to be rested, not just like at the field, not drinking water all day. Um, and then we would kind of go do groundwork, like racket work on the ground, do drills, um, play a little bit of ultimate to kind of get you know kind of get things loose. We would all stretch as a group, that sort of thing. Cat typically would lead us with those types of things. Um, we everybody. We'd have all our gear out organized, you know, way in advance. Everything would be labeled. Everybody, there was specific orders where things went um, so that everything was already prepared. There was no stress surrounding that. Um, and then we would get on and like warm up. And then we kind of talk about the game a little bit just prior prior to the, like the initial group going on. What's ultimate? Explain that. Ultimate oh, nightmare. Slow. <laughs> Um, it's like pole cross on foot. Um, yeah. Oh, like ultimate frisbee? Like ultimate frisbee, but with the pole cross. Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it comes from the Africans. It's They call it net. It's, it's based off the game of netball. So essentially you have two teams. So we would do like either girls versus boys or split up and you throw the ball in and basically the you know, like you line out, line up like in a game, ball gets thrown in, whoever gets possession has to get it from the boundaries or the back line, the 30 line, and then each side. So you play the width of the field. And the score's always three all as well. The score's always three all. <laughs> and every goal is black ball. So you have every to pass the ball to your teammates and get it into the score at, uh, a touchdown, basically across the line without dropping the ball. But you can't run with the ball. Like once you catch it, you have to stop where you are and then you have to pass. So it's really to get you passing. Okay. Like, the ball quicker. Passing like your awareness of where your players are. You played a game before your game, but it didn't wear you out. It was just getting you sharp. Oh, yeah, and we were, all pretty, we were all pretty fit all leading up to the World Cup. So that actually had a question. Who was the fittest? Robbie. <laughs> I was going to say Braxton. Braxton, like, when we were in Africa, we'd take all these runs, and Braxton would lap me, like, four out of five times. <laughs> Braxton would lap all of us playing ultimate. Nobody wanted to cover him. Uh, yeah, James' <laughs> short jog is about a 45-minute jog. I don't know, Don't even. Don't even. That was the most dramatic moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> On the sugarcane hills. I was literally crawling up one of them, uh, and Braxton was, like, jogging at the top. <laughs> So it seems like at this World Cup, you finally realized that you shouldn't you shouldn't be staying like 45 minutes away. No. 2011 was a was a disaster, Robbie. We stayed so far away, and my the refrigerator didn't work in my room, so like all the yogurt was curdled. Heather did a Heather did an awesome job with finding our. Uh, we had the most uh, ideal, the no, best. Yeah, we close, yeah. we were we were dog fields. We we hit the jack. Heather was badass with what she found. So we were you jogged. We could jog down in the field every every morning. We could jog down in the field. So was it was it a hotel or was it just like campers? No, there was like a, um, like small little small unit units. There was like seven units right next to each other that we all um, we rented for the whole USA team. It was awesome. Oh my gosh, that's smart. My dad got in trouble by the Aussies in 2007 for having his camper van right. near their camp. And your dad drove his camper van into the uh, yeah. carport at our hotel. 
Yeah. Hey, there's Megan. She's back. Guess who's back? back. Than ever. Just like a Zoom meeting with our psychologists all over. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get into sort of tactics because U.S. Polo Cross has changed over the years. I'm really old and I've, I've only really played the Aussie style. Luckily, I, I got to go to Zambia and play the African style, and World Cup has really influenced that. So now you brought in James as, as your coach, James Hackland, and he's a South African. He's a legend. I mean, what were, the, what were the things that really stuck out to you that were so different than what you, the habits that you had before? I mean, what were, what were the things that he was ingraining into you? Instead of being making your horse do all the work, he was very big on letting the ball do the work. So he really worked on our passing. I'm sure you've noticed that the longer passes and things like that, because he felt that was more efficient, a lot easier on your horse and less dependent on needing to be on as good a horse. Because a lot of us are used to riding really nice horses. And yeah, we can do a lot on those horses, but you're not necessarily going to get you know, your top horse when you go to these things. So he wanted us to have other advantages and also to, you know, kind of be able to allow the horses to, to do less work and last longer through really rigorous competition. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he emphasized like throwing it at the right time and making sure that like, if you're going to throw that big pass to make sure that you had it accurate and that you weren't going to, you know, mess it up and throw it to the other team or something. So using it at the right time and not just throwing it willy-nilly. So percentages. Yeah. Braxton, Megan, what are your thoughts? I feel like he, he focused on the ones a lot of just to have a game plan on how you're going to enter, enter the box, whether – it's not just a foot, a foot race trying to race everyone down to the box. And then you might miss your bounce because you're going as fast as you can go. Um, use your teammates more and try to enter the box uncontested so you can just make one little turn or go straight through to the goal. Just so you smarter were, game plan. So was it an automatically send it to the one or was it uh... – Yeah, most of the time get it to the one as quickly as you can. But if the play was also caused called for um, meeting at the line or just – if if it if it seemed like the, there was a straight shot to the area, then we would either run it down or pass it to the one, then the one could run it down, or the one would come back and get it immediately if the play wasn't a straight through shot. So he was obviously talking about high percentage passing. How did you progress over time? Because I mean, I see you guys now, and you're much more accurate than I, you know, than I than I could imagine myself being. How when he first started with you, how accurate were you? Because, and I'm, I'm I talk about this because. I've been on teams where uh, my coach said, I'm sorry. Joy kind of threw her hands up and said, I'm sorry, I can't do anything else because you can't even get the fundamentals down. <laughs> um, that's yeah. when we almost lost to Canada. So I know that the U.S. is, I mean, the overarm is a newer thing. And a lot of people are very low accuracy right now because it's, you know, it's, it's relatively new. But you guys are super accurate. So, like, did when you started with James, at least, was there a lot of inaccuracy? Were you holding yeah. the ball more than you should? And, and then by World Cup, you were releasing it? Especially the women. We were very hesitant. I think the men were much more eager to let the ball go. It may just not have had the racket to racket as what James wanted. So a lot of times the men can throw it, and they may maybe even get it in front of Braxton, um, but maybe not directly to his racket. Whereas the women were much more hesitant. We were, you know, we would wait one or two, three strides too long, and then we would have pressure and we'd have to make kind of an awkward long through another player pass. So I think for most of us, we had to learn, kind of like Kat was saying, more of the timing and being more confident when to let the ball go um, so that we didn't wait until we were already under pressure because then at that point, you've kind of missed your window. He never discouraged us from 
letting the ball go. Like he never got mad that we would try to throw a long pass. He encouraged it. And it just got better and better. Like that Thanksgiving weekend, we, we were starting to throw 40, 50 yard passes on a rope, like right to each other. Yeah. He encouraged it. He didn't, he didn't say, no, he, he wanted us to try it. Awesome. All right. So what else, other than the accuracy of the, of the pass, the direct passing, what else was like ingrained in your, in your mind that, that might've been new to you? Running, running certain lines. Like if your three gets it out the back and he's, if he's running towards the right cone of your, of your box, the one should be running to the left cone. Um, just trying to read the line that your player who has the ball and the per- person receiving the pass, just trying to figure that line out before he even gets the ball to already be in position. So when the person gets it, they can already look up and know that your one or two, whoever is catching the ball is going to be there on the line of the line you should be running. It just makes it easier pass if you know ahead of time. This person is going to be running away from me. He's running with me on the same plane. James James engraved that pretty good with me. Yeah, so it, um, so the way Joy talked about it was the unpressured player to the pressured player. So obviously, if you're the one, you're the unpressured player, you need to go to the ball, and you make you know, that makes it a more accurate pass because your three knows where you're going. So that's kind of what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. There were some patterns or lines or corner to corner that you were thinking about more than you used to. Yeah. What about you, Megan? What was James getting you to think about that was different? Um, I don't know. All I can remember is I threw thousands and thousands of goals. That's all I did. We would practice and everyone would be doing something like or passing or getting a drink of water and I'm throwing goals, throwing goals, throwing goals. But let me tell you, Got more confident throwing goals. It paid off for sure. I mean, I, I was just so impressed with 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 your goal scoring and your confidence at the World Cup and just the aggressiveness in which you played. So, how many how many goals did you miss at World Cup, Megan? So I just started watching the videos the other day. It wasn't too many, maybe two or three. That's nothing. That's awesome. I think Braxton, I don't, too many. Awesome. Braxton, you didn't. Miss, how many goals did you miss? Too many. I don't know. I don't. But too many. One goal is too many. <laughs> okay. I mean, I feel like I did pretty good. I don't think I missed two too many, but one goal is too many. <laughs> I well, scored I a goal by getting hit yeah. in the head. So you, you once have a very easy job. You just have to put it through the post. It's so simple. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> what about the twos and the threes? Were you thinking defense at all? Was there a different defensive pattern than you were used to? Yeah. I know that for the twos, and well, really more than when the one and the two were marking up in midfield, if the three was kind of up field um especially if they a lot of the countries now want the ball to go to the one quickly so um james wanted the the people marking up that that one trying to get to the area that not just mark them up but to work them either toward a sideline by funneling them to that sideline or to funnel them to the three so like if cat was actually upfield because say the one had to come out and come around and get the ball and so now the the one from the opposing team has the ball you know, more in midfield, and Kat has stayed more up toward the 30. James wanted us to then mark that player, that ball carrier, to Kat, essentially, like kind of funnel that player to Kat. So Kat would kind of pick a spot in the 30 where she's going to kind of be ready to make that connection. And then our jobs was to try to funnel that player to her. So, yeah, I remember Yanni a few weeks ago when they interviewed him talked about using the sidelines as another player. So that's what you were being taught. Yeah. That is the first time we've heard that, that strategy. Yeah. 
Anything else that was kind of new to you from from James? He was really big on the twos, really harassing the three. You know, the minute our team would have the ball, my job was to go try to pester the hell out of the other number three to try to keep them from being able to even mark Megan up, to even be able to get to the area. So kind of work them all – you just worked them all the way to the line so that they had to sit there like a sitting duck so the one could kind of pick their spot. Okay. Any other comments about – Kind of the new stuff that you'd learn. It's really good stuff. Yeah, um, here we don't – I mean, we, we were playing the passing game more and more, but, I mean, we don't really know how to defend it – or we didn't know how to defend it as well. And he worked on how to defend the longer – or the passing game easier. So, like, say if, if, if you know the ball's going to be on the other team's side and me as a one, I, I would never chase the other number one. You know, I would instantly go for that ball. But now – He's work. He's drilled. His, drilled in our head. If they're going to pass the ball, then that one has to cover the one because the three can't just teleport up to the one to stop the pass. So kind of knowing that the one that they were trying to get into the one, and you're going to disrupt that instead of yeah. chasing the ball. Yeah, so that's that's brand new. Yeah. Yeah. How did the horses differ from 15 to 19? I mean, there was good horses at both World Cups. I mean, I was happy with all the horses we've got. Yeah, I was going to so say I, I think it seemed the same as 2015. You had some really like really awesome awesome horses and then you had some that never got played a chukka they were just there a spare really yeah well obviously good horses but like what were the types i mean the types of horses as a comparing lots of stock horses in australia <laughs> yeah. yeah more thoroughbreds so you think there's a um a big home continent advantage yeah well personally in any world cup i've ever been in I've never been one to say, that's my horse, I'm going to take that horse. I've always been one to say, look, if that's your favorite horse, you take it, I'll get something else. That's fine. I've never, ever, ever spoken up to say, that's my horse, I'm taking it. We've had some very good horses through the years. I mean, in every country, it's it's hit or miss. South Africa, we had an incredible pool, I think. Australia, we this last World Cup, we had some good horses, probably a younger inexperienced horses on the men's side but still very playable for sure like we could have played every one of our horses in that pool the ladies had some ex some exceptional horses but it's um it's kind of on the person that you know it's um if you see somebody getting on with the horse you just let it go say that's your horse for the whole weekend don't even don't even step up but I've, I've never been that type of a player if anybody else likes a horse go ahead and take it i'll find something else oh yeah i was just gonna say that i was really pleased with the horses that we got this past year and that like if I got along with the horse luckily enough like Megan didn't get along with it because that was like my main concern going in was that like Megan and I were going to be fighting over the same horse but luckily we had like different styles that was good what I've found when I've traveled internationally is that these horses are better than I am so you kind of have to stay out of their mouth and just let them go I mean they're, they're more forward that makes sense they're sure. kind of out there playing their game you know what the hell they're doing stop pulling on their mouth Right. Just let them let them go. Let them, you know, so I so I find that I, I feel like if you've had a lot of experience internationally, if you're a great horse person, it, it gives you a huge impact. The variety of horses that you're that you played prior to World Cup. The play from the first World Cup to this last World Cup is like an eon away. It's it's totally different. It's um, any team from this last World Cup would have won the first World Cup. Any team of the right. eight. Uh, the parity now in the game is crazy. Any team could probably win it. I mean, you saw Ireland beat New Zealand 
New Zealand beat South Africa. We were we were in pretty much every game. The first three World Cups, there was huge blowouts. You know, 35 to 3, 25 to 10. That's not the case anymore. It's it's incredible. It's um it's very exciting for the game. Any other comments about the World Cup? Anything that stands out to you that people could learn from? Travel and play as much as you can. I feel like that's that's in the United States, we it's pretty easy to become the big fish in the little pond. So um, you end up having to travel internationally. That's the only way you can really get better once you get to a certain level. But what I can say about this team, something that I'm very proud of, the hard work that you put into it, the number of horses you had going, the, the commitment you made to travel. Um, not everyone would make that sort of commitment. I've been, I mean, and I'll just throw myself under the bus. I've been on teams where I haven't been fit personally, like as fit as I could be. And over time, I learned that there were certain things that, you know, it's hard enough to play in another country against some of the top players in the world. If you're not personally prepared, you're going to have a, you're going to have a miserable time. Yeah. So, um, I mean, huge kudos to everyone on this team that, that made the commitment, set the example. I see you guys playing after the world cup. You just set a, a tremendous professional example. You're all on top horses uh, that I don't want to play against. You all are sharp with your passes. You're dressed, dressed to the hilt. You've got white, white wrap, clean everything. So that just says a lot about, about you as a team. And so not only did you represent the country so well uh, in the way that you played, but just the way that you carried yourselves. And um, because I've been on teams where people weren't so willing to say, Hey, this is the best horse for you just keep that horse right they they may have just wanted to keep that that horse that they really like so the, the selflessness so those are my takeaways from my limited uh, experience watching you guys but i would be curious to hear everybody's isolation pull across right now for me personally i'm probably third or fourth third or fourth best in my family <laughs> <laughs> my kids are running circles around me down in the pasture <laughs> fourth tallest or, or tallest yeah that's true <laughs> Are you keeping your horses going as if polo cross is going on, Robbie? Yeah. No, the, the two kids are on their good A-grade horses. Heather and I are on a young ones coming up. And then we've got another two or three breaking in. But um, I've got a new horse that she is super fast, super small, <coughs> pocket rocket. She's crazy. Uh, I just pocket wish, rockets are the way to go. I wish we would be playing right now. Yeah, Heather's, Heather, Heather's out there breaking horses. Yeah, no, she's she's now the breaker. I just, I just get on them and go. <laughs> how about everyone else like what what are you doing right now i mean obviously no one's willing to make a talent show video except megan she's a yeah badass. that was an awesome video by the way that was hilarious <laughs> um, daisy, oh, there's no context to it it's just like daisy not listening to you come on, come on. Get her chasing sparks or squirrels or something so so when do you think holocross is going to start back for you when, when do you think your first tournament will be estimate uh, lone star is hosting a tournament in october we're hosting one in october as well i think but yeah, i think cool. sugarloaf will still be fall because that's like labor day so labor day maybe the first one labor day yeah you're supposed to be hosting a mega clinic in, in august carolina sorry but um, I don't know sure. if that'll be the first one. All right. So I had this idea of every weekend starting maybe Labor Day till the end of the season, we're going to have a tournament or a play day every weekend, if we can. I mean, just imagine, I mean, there's no reason if people have postponed their tournament that we yeah. can't just have something every weekend. We're going to try to have some mega clinic. All right. Last thing I want to do just to make you guys feel really awkward. Robbie, when did um, the circle of trust start? The circle of love, I call it. The circle of trust for me getting in the family? No, no. 
No, where we all got in a circle in a huddle and we said nice things to each other. Shame. I make people do it at my clinics. Was that a team that started that, Robbie? No, okay. It, it is my thing. I'll I'll trademark that. Circles. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, I'll trademark it. It's like the circle of love. Yeah. Okay. Is this like a physical circle or like metaphorical? This is a virtual Zoom circle, cat. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, so what, what I make people do awkwardly because they're not used to saying positive things to each other is, hey, um, I'm so proud of you for this and you're going to give it your all. And this is right before a game. Everyone says something nice to each other. But all I want you to do, I'm going to say your name and then who you have to say it to. And you're going to say what you're proudest of them for and related to the World Cup. So think well, of something nice. Hold on, kind of a side note. This is a, a good thing that James did with our team. Every Pretty much every day we had to... We all got in a circle, and you had to say something positive about the person to the left or right of you. And we've never done that before, which was awesome. I mean, there was so much stuff that came out of that that um, it was a positive impact on the whole team in the end. Was it hard to think of positive things, or you couldn't Not at all. No. You couldn't shut up. As soon as, as, soon as somebody – Especially Carl. <laughs> Carl, we couldn't shut him up. Hey, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to do this. All you're going to say is I'm proudest of you for this. This pertaining to being on this team that we were, you guys were on, okay? Yeah. All right, Kat to Robbie. All right, Rob, I was super proud of you for, you know, always bringing the team back together, no matter how rowdy we got, but you were always able to, like, center us in a super fun way and super intuitive that got us all in the zone, but at the same time, we were all knowing that we were there for the right reasons and making everyone feel involved, so... Shout to you. Oh, okay. Robbie to Sarah. Go. Sarah kept us grounded the whole time. Like if we started to get our head above water and started to think, oh, we got this. She'd say, pull your head in, shut up, get to work, which we needed. <laughs> All right. Mom. Sarah to Megan. I was proud of everything Megan did at World Cup. Her goals were incredible. She just never stopped trying the entire time. Didn't matter what was going on in the game. She fought so hard yeah and every picture she's smiling she's it doesn't matter you, you'd think we were winning every game by 30 goals if you look at Megan's pictures because she's just literally has a smile on her face every every time it's intimidating when people are smiling all the time because you think maybe this person is crazy <laughs> it's a scary thing right all right Megan to Raul mm. Mm. nothing <laughs> DJ <laughs> what are you proudest of Raul for? In like preparations, how he played, just something. I mean, everything. Everyone freaking they're all. Raul, I'm proud of you. I don't know. I mean, everyone fought so hard. Yeah. Raul. Be a lot of cutting out on this one. <laughs> so Raul's just like a little, like, he just would never quit. He's like a little ankle biter, really, like. <laughs> yeah, he didn't really... let the eyes of the other team intimidate him. He didn't care. They were taller. <laughs> <laughs> Raul, get wrecked. <laughs> Me, versus right. Me versus Mikey, first game, just saying. Yeah. You weren't scared for a minute. Nope. Yeah, because you swing it. I mean, you got to tickle his armpit. That's the only thing you can do. That's what I told Lauren to do. Most competitive. Pretty much. All right. So, Raul to Braxton. Go ahead. He's where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Proudest of you for your commitment. Gone in preparation. You were always out of all of us. 
but you're uh, you're always willing to travel wherever, put in whatever amount of horses, six, seven, eight pole horses, fly in and play in one of our horses, the whole nine yards. So, you know, that obviously went miles and miles once we got there. And then obviously, um, you know, despite the results, the, the effort paid off as far as some of our connections went. You know, you could tell that we'd, we'd put in much more time than previously. So, shot for that. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. All right, racks to the cat. Bring it home. Hmm. I'd probably have to say I'm the proudest for you for you're probably the most positive person on the team. No matter what happens, no matter anything horrible could happen, and then you would just have the most positive outcome. And it would, it would keep – a good positive vibe for the whole team. Even if, like, if I, if I felt down, you could you would say something funny, or someone would make fun of you for saying something silly, <laughs> and then it would just send it. It would be a, send out a good vibe to the whole team. So, awesome. Aww, thanks, so Jackie. Yeah. Hey. And Cat is the tallest. Player. <laughs> no, Carl's taller than I am. Oh, really? Tallest. Car- Carl's the tallest. Carl? And the loudest. Carl, how tall are you? The one lie. Six, six, six five. I truly believe that this was the best World Cup team that the U.S. has ever had, and that Polo Cross itself has gotten tougher and more like Robbie said it was more parody uh, where the teams are just so closely matched and um, you guys were in every game you could have won any game maybe it was just you didn't play the same level the whole game but you you came out fighting and you play I mean you were just right there with everyone else so and I think it's a testament to your commitment before because it's not easy being a U.S. team a U.S. player in general because like you know there's no competition here it's very tough to get competition and uh, to find someone that's at your level there might be you know five or six in the country that you barely get to whenever you can so that that's very tough so to go to the world cup and to put up that kind of fight and to scare some teams in the way that you did I truly believe this is the best ever. The last thing I'm going to ask, what is next? I ask this because I don't know if I'm if I'm too old if I'm ever going to make another world cup team again but I got to know who else who's gunning for the next who's already thought 100% me Robbie yeah, really so I just turned um, 43. Are you looking at Heather? Yeah. <laughs> How, isn't Heather like 28? Yes. 26. 20, yeah. She's getting younger every day. Firstly, I mean, I'm going to be flat out honest. I probably should have made the last World Cup team. Uh, I probably shouldn't make the next World Cup team. But for me, personally, I'm going to put my name in and I'm going to go as hard as I can until somebody knocks me off. And that's only going to make – Let's go. It's only going to make our team better – or if I make it, um, it's only going to make me better. And I, I work hard every day. I'm serious. I, I ride. I, I do stuff every day to make the next World Cup team. And if somebody somebody beats me out, good on them. But I'm going hard. So we can start a hashtag as if. So basically, you live every day, Robbie, as if you're training for the next World Cup, right? Absolutely. I'm training for the next World Cup. This whole well, – from from the day I got back – to right now, I'm going for the next World Cup. Now, hopefully, somebody beats me out in this country because uh, there's no way I should be on the next World Cup team. Well, if, if some of these young punks like uh, Megan and Braxton did and Kat, like, if you can do some, like, if there's some other kids, like I'm thinking of, like, Kevin Horton, if they can get out there and they can go travel a little bit, we're screwed, right? They go spend six months in another Put your country. Head out, stick your neck out. Don't be afraid to get beat. Don't be afraid to win, but win honorably. Don't be afraid to get beat. Same thing. But I'm going to put my name in until somebody takes my spot. That's awesome. So everyone in here is already thinking you'd like to be in the next World Cup. I'm going yeah, flat definitely. Right Megan again. 
Oh, I'm Cat screwed then. Bird. If Megan so can get out of the ditch, she'll be there. <laughs> I am so screwed. Damn it. Why did I take a break? I haven't been to a practice in seven years. I live in New Hampshire, guys. You guys even know where that is? Whose fault is that? <laughs> I told you to move back. Move here. All right. I got to send my horses down there. I need them for the, the next test match. I'm going to send them <laughs> right now. Off your hands. <laughs> horses are terrible. I'm not. Oh, the this playmate is. I'm not touching I mean, yeah, they'll get along great. It's <laughs> a lot bigger. Oh yeah, cats used to it. <laughs> Cattle teach them some good ground manners. <laughs> all right, well, thanks, guys. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Walk all uh, over. <laughs> the, the whole, obviously, the goal of this uh, of my podcast is to get insight from people, listen to their stories, listen to what they their experiences, and hopefully get something from it. And so, I think what we successfully did today on this podcast interview is to kind of talk about your World Cup journey, what it took to get there what you learned in the process, what it takes to really, I mean, there's so much that we covered. So that, it, it, it was great. I appreciate your time. It's probably going to take me five hours to edit this thing because you guys, yeah, this was good. This Robbie was kept bad. swearing. Raul's multiple drink breaks. <laughs> and no one's drinking a seltzer though. No oh, yeah. one's drinking right. a seltzer. So I don't have to bleep anyone's names out. Carl, <laughs> Carl's got a white claw. <laughs> Carl's got a white claw. Ain't no laws. <laughs> I'm going right, to bed. So, Love you all. Hold on. I love you, Ron. All right. Good to see everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. I'm proud of you. I appreciate it so much. And you guys have a good night. Be safe. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. All right, guys. Later. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode. What an honor it was to share in this reunion of my friends and to get a glimpse of good team chemistry. Cheers to them and their many supporters along the way. Sarah Desai will officially thank them now. As we reminisce about our experiences from the amazing 2019 Adena Polo Cross World Cup, we would be remiss if we didn't thank our sponsors because without them, these experiences would not have been possible. Some of our major sponsors were Saucy Construction. They were absolutely epic in the support that they provided this team throughout the entire process. Also, Icon Global, Overall Nutrition, Insulating Company, and XLEQ were all um, great sponsors for us. We had gear and products that were contributed by Triple Crown who has always been very supportive of Polo Cross. Also the incredible flow boots. We had lots of flow boots donated so that we were able to give each horse owner a pair of flow boots when we left and they were really excited about that as that's something new for Australia. We also had the game clothing. Uh, they did our jerseys and they were wonderful. They also did our supporter jerseys which was really neat to be able to look out in the crowd and easily see our supporters who were amazing as well. Weatherbeater and um, Sarah Cefali's Polo Cross company also helped support the team. Um, Alethi Boot Company donated a pair of boots to all the players. They were absolutely incredible boots. Uh, we all absolutely love them. They look wonderful and I personally have had a pair for many, many, many years so they last forever. And then of course uh, Bombers, they supported us in huge ways, donated all sorts of gear and bags and just lots of support and rackets. Um, the USA Rackets, they even gave us a racket to uh, auction off for further um, support. So without these sponsors, we wouldn't have been able to participate at the level that we did. It, it helped us immensely and we're extremely grateful for it. Here on Chuck a Talk, we'd appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? 
please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave me a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. For more PoloCross coaching, go to PoloCrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks. Thanks.